Hallelujah. 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 If you're ready to hear the word of the Lord, I want to hear you say, I'm ready. Oh, hallelujah. If you don't know who I am, my name is Marcus. I'm one of the intern pastors here at New Philadelphia Church, and I serve over at the Itaewon campus. Uh, But specifically for today, Pastor Christian asked me to come over and to preach here as well. And uh, I preached here, I guess, a couple months ago on the supernatural is natural. And uh, it was just so good to come back in the house. This is really like a place of my spiritual birth. So to come back here and preach every time is such a blessing. Hallelujah. All right, so uh, I'm just going to pray for the word really quickly, and then we're going to get right on into it. So let's bow our heads. John, there's a little bit of feedback. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and life. And God, I pray that, that Lord, that as I speak this word, God, that it would go out and it would be spirit and life. That it would ignite new life, Lord God, in us, Father. I pray that, mm, I pray, God, that every heart in this place would be open. Every heart would be open. Every mind would be open, God, to receive. And, Father, I pray, God, that, that the bondages and the lies of the enemy, Lord, would be broken off in this place in Jesus' name. I pray that, God, that your truth would come through and your truth would set free. Lord, I pray for, yeah, Lord, deep revelation. Deep revelation into our own lives, in our own relationships, God, in our relationship with you, God. That you would bring new revelation, Lord. Help us to look deep inside ourselves, Lord God. To see, um, Lord, what you're doing, God, what you're highlighting, and how, Lord, you want to take us from glory to glory. Father, we thank you, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so... um, I was gonna, I was gonna come up here and I was gonna wear this. Uh, I don't even know how to, what to call it. You can hand, let me grab this real quick. So, like our brother Andy, he went to India and he picked up me and and John, Pastor John and myself. He picked us all up one of these, and so uh, we wore it on the subway ride over here. And everyone and like all the Koreans were like looking at me, like, <laughs> and like. There were these two little kids on the subway, and those kids were bold. They were like pointing at us and talking, and then pointing again. Yeah, but it's been such a blessing. Our brother Andy, he's come over, and uh, the Lord was really highlighting for me uh, in Ecclesiastes where it says two is better than one, but then it says a threefold strand is not easily broken. And uh, as Andy has come into, uh, I guess, Pastor Christian's place, and he's coming to our church, he's really coming to partnership as well with myself and the noof with those garments. And so it's so funny too, with David praying about the garments and stuff, I was like, hallelujah. It's prophetic. I received that. All right. Okay. But let's get into the word. All right. So everyone turn to the book of John chapter eight. If you're already there, let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. And I want us to just read it all together. Uh, eight verse 32. All right. Ready? One, two, three. She jack. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk to you about the truth and lies. Everyone say truth and lies. Truth and lies. You know, because we're going into this year of intimacy, right? We all, we've celebrated it. We jump around about it. We go to coffee shops. We talk about it. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy in this year. But I'm telling you, for you to experience real intimacy in this year, you're going to have to be able to differentiate between the truth and lies. 
It's very important that as you move forward in your Christian walk, that you are able to recognize truth in your life and recognize lies. And there's so many of us in the body of Christ today that we don't recognize lies. And we don't recognize truth either. And we find ourselves stuck in the middle. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, I want to talk to you about how we can see the truth and the lies in our life. You know, it's important for you to grow in relationship with God. It's important for you to grow in relationship with other people. And it's important for you to even understand yourself. You know, you cannot have true intimacy with someone if you don't recognize what's going on in yourself. And it's very important for you to see the truth and lies. You know, I'm not talking about whether or not you can recognize when you talk to someone, whether they're lying to you or not. Like, I'm not trying to cause, like, New Philly to be, like, this church of paranoid people. <laughs> and, like, tomorrow, like, well, after in, like, SNL, you're sitting there, like, is that the truth or is that a lie, you know? Like, that's not what I'm getting at. It, what I'm challenging you to do in this is to look inward. You know, it's important for you to begin to discern what is being spoken over you and what you're speaking over yourself that isn't true. Jesus said in John 8, 32, we just read it, right? He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And truth has the quality of truth is that it sets free. Do you know that truth is always equated with freedom? You know, when truth comes in, it always has the property to set free. If it's not setting you free, it's not the truth. See, truth brings peace. Truth brings freedom. It brings joy. It brings rest. But lies, on the other hand, they bring discord. They bring pain. They bring fear. They bring suffering. You know, so many people in the body of Christ today, though, are afraid of the truth. We're afraid of the truth. You know that saying that truth hurts? That's how we approach the truth. That's our mindset about the truth. Like, oh, Marcus is preaching about the truth now. I'm going to get hurt. Oh, the truth. (sighs) And we we have this mindset that the truth hurts. But, you know, the truth only hurts if it's confronting a lie. The truth only hurts if you are living a lie. Then the truth hurts. But if you're not, if you're living in the truth, the truth never hurts. The truth, it's liberating. It feels great. Thank you for that truth. Hallelujah. You know, the definition of truth is the state of being the case or the property of being in accord with fact or reality. When we talk about something being true, I'm going to read that one more time, actually. The definition of truth is the state of being the case. So it's the case. That's what it is. Or the property of being in accord with fact or reality. When we talk about something being true, we're talking about something that is That it's a fact. It's real. It does not change. You know, it's something that exists and it lines up with reality. And not just that, but truth can also be something that you live out. When you live in accordance with something else that is true or real. When your your life lines up with something else that is true. You following me? But see, today what we find in the church and what we find in the world is is postmodernism, right? Your truth is. Is your truth. And my truth is my truth. 
what I experience in my life, that is, that's true. And what you experience in your life, that's true. But for there to be one particular objective truth, I can't, I can't really believe that. I can't really accept that. But that in and of itself is a lie. Because truth is objective. And there's only one standard of truth. And just because your experience doesn't line up with what's true, that doesn't make your experience true. You could be just as easily living a lie and convincing yourself that it's true. You know, the definition of a lie is an assertion or something known or believed to be untrue with intent to deceive. An untrue or inaccurate statement that may or may not be believed true. It's something that is asserted in many different ways and its intent is deception. You know, the whole point of me preaching this word is to expose the works of the enemy in your life. Because something the Lord has been putting this word on me, like he'd been putting it on me before missions. And then on the missions trip, I just kept getting hammered with truth and lies, truth and lies. Marcus, you need to begin to recognize the truth and the lies in your life. And then as soon as I thought, okay, well, the missions trip's over, I'm over it. He's like, boom, no, you're not. Because he wants us to recognize lies. And lies have an intent to deceive. It says in the word that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And that he's the father of lies. You know, Satan's modus operandi, his M.O. is to deceive. It's to bring lies. That's his main weapon of warfare is lies. I used to think that his main weapon of warfare was fear. And I think I've probably even preached that before. And if so, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, Satan, he seeks to bring about deception. Because, see, deception is when you receive a lie and you live it out as if it were true. That's what Satan's pushing for. That's what the enemy wants in your life. He wants you to live a lie. As if it were true. And that's what, that's everything that he seeks to do. You know, I, I used to think that Satan's tactic was fear. And I even, I remember I was sitting with, with Andy one night. We were talking. I was talking about the Garden of Eden. And I was talking about how Satan worked in that to bring about fear to Adam and Eve. You know, a fear of lack that, you know, God doesn't want you to eat of the fruit. Because he knows that if you eat of the fruit, you'll become like him. And so then, you know, they're kind of like, whoa, wait, he's holding out on me. Like, what do you mean? I can eat that and be like God. There's this fear, this, this fear of poverty, this fear of lack, which caused them to strive and to eat of the fruit. But when you go back and you go back further, what he did, he didn't bring about fear. Satan never brings fear into your life. You may think that Satan's coming in with a spirit of fear. No, he first comes with a lie. He first comes with a lie. And then the fear comes later. His chief tactic is a lie. You know, ever since God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God has done everything by agreement. Everything. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he and then he created Adam and Eve. Right. He created everything and then he created Adam and Eve. And then from that point, after he created Adam Everything that God did was by means of agreement. You can see even in Genesis when God brings the different animals to Adam. 
And he's like, Adam, name them. He's like, you know, your donkey. Okay, I like that. Your donkey. Your fish. Your cow. Your chicken. I love chicken. You know, let me tell you something. On missions. Okay, all right, check it out. So. Okay, so like General Santos is like the, the tuna capital of the world, right? But they also got chicken there. I thought I was going to be eating like fried, fried tuna all day. And I love tuna. I love tuna. It was great. But then one day we walk in and like the salmonium is like cooked like fried chicken. Like she made it like from hand. I don't even know why I'm talking about this right now. Oh, I was talking about chicken. I'm sorry. I got to go back. Around. No, but my team was calling me Marcus Chickening. That is a lie that's over my life. My last name is Corpening, so they got real creative. Love you, Anna. Let me get back to it. So God created, God brought the different, the different animals to Adam and Adam named them. But in order, once Adam named them, God came into agreement with what Adam had spoken out and it was established. You know, in in our spiritual life, when things get established, it's established through agreement. A word goes out and then we agree with it and then it's established. It's never, it's never just done. A word goes out and then agreement has to take place. Why am I talking about agreement right now? Why am I talking about Adam and Eve in agreement? Because Satan came with a lie to Eve. And then Eve came into agreement. And then the fear came. Then the actions and the striving came. You know. (laughs) You know, when God speaks something and we come into agreement with it, it's established here on earth. Jesus said, if two or three of you, two or more of you gather in my name, in my name, and you agree on anything, it will be done by my father in heaven. Agreement is necessary. Jesus even said, you know, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God does everything by agreement. God doesn't just sovereignly just move and then, oh, thank you, God, you did it. No, there's always an agreement that takes place. It even says in his word that the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of man. That's the whole reason why we were talking about taking dominion, because it means coming into agreement with what God has said. But that works both ways. You can either come into agreement with the truth of God's word or you can come into agreement with the lie. And whenever you come into agreement with it, it will manifest in your life. You know, in in John 8, if you can look back there again, John 8, verse 37, he's speaking to the Jews when he says this about Um, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he keeps speaking to them. And then in verse 37, he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You know, they were, they were quote unquote believers. They were Jews, but they were not coming into agreement with the things that Jesus had spoken out. And you know, if you don't come into agreement with heaven, you come into agreement with hell. And there's no middle ground. In our lives, we got to come into agreement with heaven. Or the word finds no place in us. Jesus said to them, they were sitting there with him and they were listening to his teachings. They were hearing him speak. 
And he said, but you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Because you're not coming into agreement with what I'm speaking out. You know, Pastor Christian, he's, he's always like speaking about this and he's always walking around saying this. And he's talking about what, what we allow, heaven allows. And what we disallow, heaven will not allow. And there's so many times in the body of Christ where a word goes out and Satan brings a word. He brings a lie. And then without thinking, we come into immediate agreement with what he said. You know, a case in point right here. Every missions trip that I've been on, I've been on five missions trips. And for the, the past four missions trips before General Santos, so I went to India twice. I went to Myanmar and then I went to uh, China. And every missions trip that I've ever been on, I would have this excruciating shoulder pain. Like, it would kill me. Like, I would be sitting there. I'd have people massaging my shoulder. Like, Brady was, like, sticking his, like, elbow into my shoulder. Because I'd have this, like, excruciating pain. And I couldn't figure it out. Whenever I was, like, in an anointed environment, as soon as I stepped on the missions field, my shoulder just, oh, what's wrong with my shoulder? What's wrong with me? And then, and then, uh. Then what happened was we were in missions training like about a month ago and we're all sitting around and I, I think I was sitting across from, I was sitting next to, across from Krisha and I was sitting next to a sister Diana Suck, I believe, and maybe Matt was sitting there at that place at the table and someone asked me, oh, is your, how's your shoulder going to be on missions? And I'm like, oh, well, and somebody's like, well, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, every missions trip, uh, when my, my shoulder always acts up and then I'm always having to get someone to massage my shoulder. And then I can see out of the corner of my eye, Krisha. And Krisha's like giving me like a prophetic stare. She's like, <laughs> you know, I'm a mess with Krisha a bit. Like, you know how Krisha gives you that stare? Like, Krisha, like, she's like prophetic people, they give you that prophetic stare. Like, and it's just like looking into your soul and you can feel it. Like, I can feel Krisha's eyes, like right here. And I was like, oh, what? I know Krisha's looking at me. And I just turned to Krisha. I'm like, Krisha, stop whatever prophetic thing you're doing right now. Because I already know what it is. And Christian's like, all right, how'd you know? How'd you know? I was like, I could feel it. I could feel like the prophetic stare. And, uh, and then Christian pulls me aside later and she prays for me. And she doesn't get like, she's not like, in the name of Jesus, I'm breaking up. She doesn't do all that. She's like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just come against this. And we just break off this witchcraft curse that has come against him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, I'm expecting her to like come and just be like, yo, you know, just on me. But that doesn't happen. She's just very calm. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't feel like any boom, boom, pow. I didn't feel anything happen. You know, I was expecting like, you know, boom, shakalaka, like I'm done. You know, like you get up, you got the glory on you. It's like I'm wearing a new suit, you know, but I didn't feel that at all. It was just like, well, thanks, Krisha. Like, you know, I bless you, sister, you know, like, and then I was like, okay, well, my shoulders, I, I guess, I mean, I receive it by faith, you know, and, uh, and then we go on the missions trip and the first day in Jinsan, everything's fine. And then the second day, I'm just sitting there and I was just sitting. Um, I don't forgot where I was sitting, but all of a sudden I feel this pain hit my shoulder. And, I'm, and so quickly, as soon as the pain hit, as soon as I felt just a little bit of pain, it was, oh, oh man, there we go again. And I was just about to come into agreement with that pain and begin to take ownership of it. You know, when Satan brings a lie, his whole, he wants you to receive it. It's just like the word of God. You've got to receive the word of God. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. 
You know, when you hear the word of God and you agree with it, then faith begins to rise up in you. It's the same thing with a lie. When a lie comes and you agree with it, it begins to manifest. And so I feel this on my body and I'm like, oh, oh, here we go again. And then all of a sudden I feel a check in my spirit. And God's like, wait a second. This is a lie. This is a deception. You've received prayer for five missions trips straight almost. And you, you, you're going to tell me that this isn't gone? This is gone. This is a deception. Satan wants you to take ownership of this sickness. Because as soon as you say, oh, there we go again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And there it is all over again. And so I was like, you know what? Whatever, Satan. I, this, this is a deception. I ain't even going to listen to you. And I, I didn't. That's all I said. I wasn't like, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. It wasn't like that. I was just like, you know, Satan, I ain't even giving you any time. And my shoulder was completely fine. It's been completely fine since. But, you know, something I noticed is that something I noticed is that whenever attacks come or whenever lies come, we we agree with it so quickly. We feel a pain in our body and we immediately come into agreement. We, we wake up and we're not feeling that on and immediately we come into agreement. Oh, man, I'm I'm feeling bad again. Oh, guys, I'm struggling. Oh, guys, I'm having a tough time right now. You know, I'll, a couple of nights ago, I met up with brother Matt and, and we was talking about our, our housing situation. And Matt, Matt rebuked me without rebuking me. Like, he was like, I was like, yeah, bro, we're, uh, we're trying to look for a new place. You can just pray for favor. He said, I'm not praying for favor. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean you're not going to pray for favor? Like, I thought we were friends. And then he's like, because, man, you already got favor. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh. Why are you going to rebuke me right there like that? And I realized that so many times, like, oh, I'm struggling. I'm having a tough time. It's like, wait, really? Are you? Are you? Or is that a lie that you're coming into agreement with? It's like the day before you just saw God move in powerful ways. And then two seconds later, man, I'm struggling again. Everything's going downhill. Oh, my gosh. Really? Two seconds ago, you were like, Lord, I worship you. You are amazing. My life is on point. Yes. Oh, man, I'm going downhill again. It's a lie that you're coming into agreement with. So what are you agreeing with, church? What lies are you believing? Ask yourself that. You know, turn to 1 Timothy. I'm going to point something out to you real quick. 1 Timothy, verse 18, 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 19. I'm just going to read it out. Paul says this to Timothy, he says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. Stop right there. The prophecies. That's just talking about the rhema word. That's talking about the word of God that is spoken out over your life. And that doesn't mean that you have Brady pray for you. Or it doesn't mean you have me pray for you or anything like that. But it's talking about the word of God that is truth that applies to your life. And Paul charges Timothy that by that word, you wage the good warfare. By that word, you confront everything that comes against that truth. 
by that word you fight. And then he says, he says, what does he say? He says, holding faith in a good conscience. Some translations talk about a good conscience, a sincere faith. You know, for something to be sincere, that means that it is integrous. That means it has integrity, meaning it's true. It lines up with reality. A conscience that is good means that it lines up with what is true. He's saying that by the word that has been spoken out over your life, the truth that has been spoken out over your life, you wage the good warfare. You confront everything that comes against the word of God that has been spoken out of your life. But when we don't do that, keep reading. What does it say? He says, but by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. When we reject the word of God that's spoken out of our life, when we reject the things that have been decreed over us, the promises of God, the truth that is found in here. We're making shipwreck of our faith. Like whenever we feel like our bodies, maybe we feel like there's an attack coming upon our bodies. Like, you know, a lie doesn't have to be just necessarily like, oh, you're you're getting sick. It can also be like pain that you feel at a certain place in your body. It can be a situation where you see calamity or come upon your life. It doesn't have to be necessarily that some, that Satan comes and he's like speaking audible words. But it can be any of those things. It can be calamity upon your body or in, you see strife in your family or you see all these different things that are coming against the word of God. You know, like you feeling sick. How do you confront that? You confront it with the word of God that says, by his stripes, we are healed. That verse, we are healed. Are, you know, is plural of what is. Is meaning to be. Meaning it is now. It's present. It's a truth. It never changes. So the same place when it was written in Isaiah, it means it sticks now. When Jesus died on the cross, it sticks now. And everything that comes against that experience is a lie. Everything that comes against your healing is a lie. Everything that comes against prosperity in your life is a lie. Why? Because it says that he will prosper and not harm you. He will give you a hope and a future. If you are hopeless, then that is a lie. You need to step back into your hope. If you feel like you have no future, it is a lie. You need to step into your future. You need to step into the promises of God for your life. Instead of coming into agreement with what Satan is saying. Because if not, you will make shipwreck of your faith. You come into agreement with that word that you're struggling. Come into agreement with that word that you're having a tough time and it will manifest. Because everything, the protocol on earth is flesh and blood. So when we agree with anything, whether it's spoken by God or by Satan, it will manifest in our lives. You know, I'm going to I want to isolate three areas where we see lies really quickly. And it's three areas where we see and agree with lies and the, and it's with God, with other people and in ourselves. The first area with God. You know, so many people in the body of Christ believe that God is mad, he is bad and he is never glad. 
You know, <laughs> they believe that God is always angry. And, they, and they're just living a life in a relationship with God that is built upon lies. You know, trust has to be built upon truth. You can't, if, if a relationship is built on lies, there's no trust. Never. You know, lies destroy trust and destroy intimacy. And, you know, Satan wants us to believe those lies and be deceived so that we'll, he will destroy our ability to be intimate. You know, a couple areas that we see it with God is that we believe lies of poverty, suffering, and lack. We believe that God is rejecting us. We believe that God doesn't want to fulfill our dreams or our desires of our heart. We believe that God doesn't love us. You know, we see this in the parable of the talents. Where he gives, he gives, the, ta- he gives the, the servants, the three different servants, he gives them different talents, right? And then the one servant that buries it, why does he not bury the talent? He says he believes that God, he believes that the master is a hard master. He's a hard man. That he reaps where he does not sow. That he harvests where he has not planted. He believed that the master was using him. So many of us in the body of Christ, we believe that God is using us. And just for his own personal gain. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't really care about what I'm going through. You know, like. We believe that God doesn't want to bless us. You know, I was walking down the street the other day and I felt this heat. I felt his presence over me one night. I was walking down the street by myself and uh, I grew up in the hood. So like um, I was walking down the street and I felt his presence behind me. I was totally thinking like, like my fist like balled up. I'm like, who's, who's behind me? Devil, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to mess with you, devil. I'm like, and then as soon as I said that, as soon as I thought that, God spoke to me and he spoke to me so clear. And he was like, you believe that the devil pursues you more than I do. And I was snap. You know, so many of us, we're looking over, our, we're looking behind ourselves and we're thinking, oh man, that we're just going to get wrecked. We're going to get messed up. Everything that we have, we're going to lose. And God's just going to allow it all because God didn't care about us and he don't want to bless me. He's just going to mess. Like, I'm just going to be left with nothing. We believe Satan is pursuing us. When the word says that God is the one who pursues us. When the word says that God's blessings will be what pursues and overtakes us. God's word says that when we look over our shoulder, we won't find the devil. We'll find goodness and mercy. It's a truth. But so many of us at times are believing the lie. But God wants you to take hold of that truth. The second area is with other people. There's two, there's two areas where with other people we, we start believing lies. And the first is perceived injury. You know, where we think that, we think that people don't really care about me. People don't really care about what's going on in my life. People, they're not really invested in my life. You know, I'm just here. I just come to New Philly on Sundays, but nobody cares. I'm just here, but no one, no one notices Or even that, oh, my friends, they're just waiting for an opportunity to reject me. 
you know, like uh, I, I used to, like in my relationships in college, I was always filled with this. I was always believing that lie that I was nothing. I was I was everyone was looking for an opportunity to reject me. Everyone just wanted to completely turn away from me as soon as they see how awful and how bad I am. And so anytime someone would do something like on their own accord, like like we're supposed to hang out or something. And then like they would call me up and be like, you know, uh, I'm not feeling like it or, oh, I'm, you know, or they'd have something else. I'm like, I knew it. I knew you was going to do me like that. That's what I was saying in my heart. Like I had this like perceived injury. I was walking around all the time with my guard up because I kept believing that lie and I couldn't trust anyone. When the truth is that we are all bound together in love. When the truth is that we are a family, we are the body of Christ. When one rejoices, another rejoices with it. When one mourns, another is there to mourn with it. We're all knitted together in love. But so many of us believe that lie that we're, we're nothing, we're not valued, we're not a part of this body. And then the second lie, that, or either we are believing that lie. And usually the way it works is that we believe that lie, so then we start living out another lie to protect ourselves. So I believe that everyone is re- going to reject me, everyone is going to hate me, so I will wear a mask. And I will, I will not be myself, but I will try to project the person that I think people will accept. And, and then what happens is we find that our relationships with other people are, are broken down and destroyed. And then we wonder why. And it's because we're coming in agreement with those lies that Satan has been speaking over us. And then the last area is with ourselves. And I just want to ask you a question. Who are you? Who are you really? Like what, what do you believe about yourself? Is it true? Does it line up with the word of God? Or is it a lie? Just because you've been believing a lie for a long time doesn't make it true. Just because you've been been believing a lie about yourself your entire life doesn't make it true. Who are you? You know, John Michael has these like identities in Christ list, right? And every missions trip, like especially when we went to Myanmar, he had us like memorize it. And then he'd be like, all right, guys, health of the team, recite it. I'm like, I'm a bride of Christ. And then afterwards, I was like, I have no idea what any of these things just mean. I just memorized it. And then when, when attacks would come and when things would come up, I wasn't standing on firm foundation. It was, I would go back to the exact same things and my exact same beliefs about myself. But God wants us to be in our new nature. He wants us to be walking in line with the truth. You know, so many people, we, we talk about struggling. We oftentimes talk about our old nature. We talk, we talk about how we're struggling with the things that we've always struggled with. Oh, I'm still struggling with fear. Oh, I'm still struggling with lust. Oh, I'm still struggling with this. But the word of God says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if the old is gone, 
and the new is here. What does that say about your struggles? What does that say about that old nature? It's a lie. It's something that the enemy wants you to take ownership of who you used to be. He wants you to walk in that again. So that then when things happen, just like they, oh, things always happen this way. Of course they do, because you are stepping back into that old nature. You're coming into agreement with a lie when you are a new creation. You know, we feel inadequate. We believe that we are impoverished and lacking and we're ill-equipped. Or we feel like we're forsaken and forgotten. And there's, I'm sure for many of you, there's other lies that you know that you've been believing. But God wants to show you that there is truth. And that truth is meant to set you free. And that truth is found in Jesus. Amen. You know, it says in his word that, that Jesus is the amen. Jesus is the faithful and true witness. That everything you look like if you have problems in your relationship with God and you have these problems in how you perceive God, you need to look at God the Father. You need to look at Jesus. Because it says in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. So if you feel like that my relationship with God, God just wants to use me. God doesn't care about my healing. He doesn't care about my calamity. You need to look at Jesus. Everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus met the needs of every single person that he, he saw. The word says that God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When you look at Jesus, you see everything that you need. In your relationship with other people, you feel like, you know, oh, I, no, one, no one cares about me. I can't relate with these people. But all that love and everything that you need is found first in Jesus. It's found first in God. As Justin was up here saying, we love because he first loved us. And in for yourself, you know, it's all there in Jesus. He's not just our friend, but he's our lover. He's our bridegroom king. And he wants you to see that in him. Everything you need. In the work that he's done on the cross. His blood is permanent. And there's nothing that can take away the work he's done. It's all there in Jesus. Let's pray.